On this week's episode of The Fizz, I recap the Red Wings documentaries I watched, including Russian 5 and The Joe. In addition, we talk a little bit about Tori Krug, how the Lions are going to completely fuck up this upcoming draft, and then we rate things like funny movies, we do some pizza elimination, and then we get into a little over-under. We did this one on Instagram Live once again. Uh, This time I had a little better setup and I was able to interact with everybody who watched. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you check it out. This is going to be a weekly occurrence now occurring on Wednesdays. So thanks for tuning in. I hope everyone is staying safe out there, staying healthy, um, and hopefully we can have a little fun with the podcast today. But now, let's get into the fizz. Talk with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh-huh. Talk with that. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then okay, pop Okay, we poppin' champagne Talk like we want a championship game. Look like I got on a championship game. Cause I ball Talk hard. Don't just be hard. I am the bird man. Hello and welcome. To episode 42 of The Fizz. Okay, thank you all for joining me. Uh, we're on like week three or four of quarantine. Um, so just to give an update on my end, last week I told you my shitty update of my washing machine taking a shit on me. Update, got the washing machine replaced this week. Pretty good stuff. Have the old washing machine on the side of the house because some repair guy wants it as like an experiment so he can play with it and like learn more about the washer that I have. I have no fucking idea, but it's sitting on the side of my house right now. So uh, we look like rednecks, which is pretty nice. Um, So we have a washing machine inside and we have a washing machine outside uh, and we look like complete rednecks in the neighborhood and I'm excited for the city fine Um, to hit us here shortly. Um, In the quarantined world, you know, there's not much to talk about. I don't know if anybody has had conversations with their friends, FaceTime, Zoomed. It's pretty much just like, how are you guys holding up? How are you guys doing? I mean, literally, I just kicked off the show talking about my washing machine. Uh, I'm just, I'm grasping at straws for things to talk about uh, because, There isn't much going on in the sports world. There's not much going on in the world unless you want to talk like politics or disease or viruses, which are not really my strong suit. And and, and, uh, it's not things I like to talk about. So I'm grasping for straws on things to talk about. Uh, So what I'm going to kick off uh, for my weekly update for this week is um, is I hate uh, duvets. Okay, I don't know if anybody saw my story today. I think duvets are like the dumbest, dumbest things in the world. I didn't grow up with duvets. Maybe that makes me white trash. Maybe that makes me low class. I don't know. I don't care. I just don't really understand the the jacket for your blanket. Why don't why isn't it just the blanket and then when the blanket gets dirty, you you wash the blanket? You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't really understand why you have the reason I hate duvets is they're impo- they're so hard to put on. You have to tie the corners. You have to get in there. You have to make sure it's on straight. I think it's an absolute nightmare. Um, so that's what I did today. And I know on the story that I posted and I spelled duvet wrong, and a lot of people uh, corrected me on that. And I just I just want to tell you, just, just shut the fuck up. Like I don't really I don't care that I spelled it wrong. I have this little respect for duvets. I think duvets are the dumbest piece of laundry bedding that exists in the world and I want them all to burn in hell. Okay, so now before we really dive into the show, I want to let everybody know that uh, I'm going to keep dusting up Airbnb week in and week out. I would like to note for everyone listening out there, I was supposed to leave for my bachelor party at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning, going to Scottsdale, Arizona. That has been canceled because of COVID-19, obviously. Uh, And we had a place booked for Airbnb. It was like a $3,400 place. We paid half that tab. 
Airbnb will not give us our fucking money back, even though it's literally, it's literally fucking illegal for us to go travel on the trip. But uh, Airbnb and that bitch Becca, that bitch Becca will not give us our money back. You know, Tiger King hated Carol Baskin. Well, my Carol Baskin is Airbnb Becca. She's a bitch. She did absolutely nothing. She owns uh, Airbnbs all over the state of Arizona. Million dollar homes. I know she's not hurting for that $1,600. We booked her house, put the deposit down for $1,600, and she stole it. She straight stole it. She took that fucking money from us, and she won't give it back, even though it's literally illegal for us to travel to the house right now. So she did nothing. She did nothing. She sat on her ass. We clicked four buttons, put our credit card in. She made $1,600. That's called being an asshole. In a pandemic world, that's a dickhead thing to do. Taking all the toilet paper, taking all the hand sanitizer, price gouging, and then that bitch Becca taking our money on Airbnb is just, it's just evil. It's just, it's disrespectful and it's evil. So especially with people getting furloughed, pay cuts, losing their jobs even. I got friends who are in all those boats who are going on that bachelor party who will not get that money back because that greedy bitch Becca is un-American and took our money. My fiance going on a trip to Airbnb, she spent like $1,400 on Airbnb, got her money back because that's what good people would do. All right. I know Becca has other streams of income and she doesn't need our $1,600. She screwed us. Fuck her. That bitch Carol Baskin, equivalent to Becca, Airbnb Becca. Burning hell, Becca. Okay, so that's who our show is brought to you by. Moving forward here, uh, I realized last week on episode 41, Fizz, I didn't mention, I don't even think I spoke about the Detroit Red Wings. I don't think I mentioned the Detroit Red Wings in the entire podcast last time. Not saying that there's anything to really talk about, but it's just, you know, it's kind of wild. So, big news from the Champagne front. If any of you have been followers for a long time or a decent amount of time, you will know that I, back in the day, had beef with the Russian Five. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about... Uh, I don't mean like I had actual beef with like Fedorov, Larianov, Fatisov, like, no, not the guys. The documentary film, The Russian Five, when it originally came out, uh, you know, whatever big hit movie, I made a t-shirt that just said retire 91 with Fedorov's, uh, Fedorov's Nike skates hanging from the front of the shirt. Uh, just said retire 91. Basically, Russian Five came out with a very, very, very similar shirt. Said Retire 91, skates hanging down. Uh, they stole my design. We got in a big beef over it. The whole article is on, on the internet. Um, and whatever, you can read about it on my website, but just type in Russian Five on the website. But basically, I had never seen this film. And I just want to be absolutely clear here that um, I have like no beef with this film. I had beef with one producer that treated me rudely and denied that she took my design and then called Champagne Athletics libelous, slanderous, and a bunch of other mean names. But, but I have no real beef with like the creation of this movie. And I think I made that very, very, very clear. Um, I see people saying, did they ever take the shirt down? They did not take that shirt down. They just kept selling the shirt. And I don't even care. I really don't care. Uh, I had more fun writing the article than I do actually caring about them taking the shirt down. But whatever. They have me blocked. Otherwise, I would tag them in all Russian stuff. I used to drive a ton of people to their website, to their Instagram. Uh, but whatever. Could have been a beautiful friendship. Turned into an, an ugly disaster on the internet. All that aside... This weekend, Sunday, Easter, Easter Sunday, I finally watched this flick. I watched this movie, and let me tell you, it rocked my goddamn fucking socks. It rocked. Um, I loved it. How could you not love it? Um, and it made me remember that that is the greatest uh, sporting hockey story like we could have ever grown up with. 
I mean, when we won cups in 97, 98, I was six and seven years old. I was just starting to play hockey. And it's like absolutely no wonder why hockey is my favorite thing in the world to this day. Uh, I would be lying if I said there was not three or four separate times during that movie that I like got really choked up and like had tears in my eyes and felt like I was going to cry. And I, and a lot of times I didn't know if it was happiness, sadness. I didn't know what it was. It was just a lot of emotion. Um, and the notes I took from it, I recapped it real quick on my Instagram story, but, um, things that like huge takeaways from that. Cause while I remember them and I used to watch the 97, 98 Red Wings videos, like religiously, like you don't really fully understand what like the gravity of those Red Wing championships were until you watch something like the Russian five at an older age and like really understand how insane of a, uh, of a story this was. So basically the notes that I have, uh, were, I don't, I didn't know much about Jimmy Devolano. I knew he was like a wizard when it came to scouting and building a team. Um, but like, haven't watched a ton of interviews with him or really understood his genius, but he was a nut job, but like in the absolute best way possible. I loved listening to him and to be able to build that Islanders team that he did and then come to Detroit um, and do it again was amazing. The other thing too about Jimmy Devolano and Illich especially, with the Illich family, the amount of patience that they had to build this thing and understanding of how hard it is to build a championship team was unbelievable. Devolano said he wanted to do it in like five to eight years. And I think what it would have taken like 12 or 15, something like that. And, you know, Illich like stuck with that. I mean, granted, they were winning conference finals and Stanley Cups and winning the most games during the regular season. So it would have been kind of silly to fire him. But I just don't you just don't really see that kind of patience in management in sports today like you had with Illich and Devolano. Um so that was my biggest note is like Jimmy D, Jimmy Devolano is, you know, kind of a nut job, but in the best way possible. Like the guy rocks. Um, number two, I had no idea, honestly, no clue whatsoever that Slava Kozlov was like the most miserable prick in the world. Uh, not only did he not uh, like give a shit to learn English, like whatever, like he even said, like, if people want to talk to me, they can learn Russian. Uh he just like did that whole movie interview. He had like five quotes and they were all in, in Russian. And he just like, I don't know. He just, I did not know he was that miserable of a, of a motherfucker, but whatever he could bury. So good for him. Um, the other thing too, uh, is after they beat Colorado, um, you know, the, the big brawl game, I think, yeah, it was after that big brawl game, the avalanche one. Um, the they went out to that Russian dinner and they had like that true whole team Russian dinner. Uh, that had to be like the wildest night ever. Uh, they really downplayed it. Obviously, they had the graphics of like people like cheersing the shots like a hundred times, a hundred times, a hundred times. Uh, so that had to just be like one of the wildest Red Wing legendary nights of all time. And they have that huge picture of all of them. Like that's the coolest picture in the world. Like the like the nineteen ninety seven Detroit Red Wings before they went on their cup run, like just like had a huge Russian vodka dinner party and it was the you know, it looked like it was insane. And it probably was. So I just I would love to learn the inside stories of like what happened that night. Cause I bet you it was just like fucking insane. I bet you it was just vodka and cocaine until the cows came home. I bet you it was just fucking absolutely bonkers. Um, what am I looking at here? What other notes did I have down about this one? Oh, um, so I, I think my favorite part of the entire movie, like the one tidbit that I absolutely did not know whatsoever and got me like really fired up out besides like the obvious of like them winning the cup and like, you know, Vladdy taking the cup, like, but something I didn't know was in 97, um, that like during the Colorado series, during game six, uh, that Colorado had like a lead and Fedorov cracked a rib. 
Um, and he was in the, um, he was in the, um, the trainer's office and people thought he wasn't going to finish that game. And the story is that Konstantinov like got up, marched across the room, went back and like screamed at him in Russian, uh, and got him to finish the game. And then ultimately Fedorov had the game winning goal. And I just thought that gave me like chills. I had no idea that Fedorov did that with a cracked rib and, uh, just kind of blew my mind. So that part was by far like my favorite of the things I didn't know. Um, the um, other note I had here, uh, I was at game three as a little guy when they won like six to one. I was there at that game. Fun, fun little memories there of just like absolutely beating the shit out of Philly. Um, and one thing I didn't know about the Philly series in 97 was how favored the Legion of Doom was. Uh, I mean, you know, as like a kid, you just think like the wings are, are favored. And then like looking back, you know, the way we steamrolled everyone and then won two cups and went on a dynasty and Philly hasn't done dick. Like you, you just, I just assumed the wings were favored in that series. And that wasn't the case at all. Uh, Philly apparently was heavy, heavy favorites. Um, and I just, that's interesting to know. Other fun fact about the Detroit Red Wings is the Wings have not won a game in Philadelphia since that series. Do with it what you want. Every time the Wings play in Philly, I take the Wings thinking the streak's going to end. And uh, with me betting on it in the on, on top of that, like it's not helping anybody. So Wings might not win in Philly for the rest of their lives, especially if I keep taking that bet. Um, Obviously, in the in the finals, McCarty's move is like one of the most legendary goals in Red Wings history. Uh, ended up being the game-winning goal. You know, walks around. Uh, um, I'm blanking on his name. The I'm blanking on his name. The um, Flyers defenseman. Whatever. He uh, he walks around him, and one of the trainers in the movie says, "If uh, you know, if the Russian five don't play with McCarty, do you think McCarty tries that move?" And I got to believe like he doesn't. Uh, so I just kind of like that line of like, tell me the Russian five didn't influence hockey uh, when you have McCarty making moves like that. So, um, so I thought that was like really, really awesome. Um, and then the biggest takeaway from the whole thing, obviously where like I start to, uh, you know, cry and shit like that uh, is you know, as a kid, you, you knew about, like, I remember where I was when I found out Konstantinov uh, was in that car crash. I was in my, my parents' kitchen, and I remember us all huddled around, like, a very small TV, and, like, Konstantinov got in a car crash, and, you know, I was only, like, six, seven years old at the time, and you don't, I didn't, you know, you don't even really realize, like, like, how heavy and insane that situation really is, and I had no idea, I did not know that it was seven days or six or seven days after they won the cup. I thought it was like a couple months. I had no idea it was that recent after winning the cup. I mean, to wait 50 plus years or 40 plus years, finally win that cup and then have it stripped away. I mean, obviously the story's old, but like to relive it and to like understand it better at this age was just, it was just mind blowing to me. And I'd be lying if I said like, I wasn't, I wasn't filled with tears, you know, watching them, hand it to him the next year uh so yeah jerry just wrote old time frank hasn't left 94 and that's and that's true uh i would say i would say i haven't left like 96 97 to be more accurate um but yeah with all this time on my hands i have time to watch these documentaries now um <laughs> uh, I'm reading some of the comments here. Uh, Steven Leo Peck, no unboxing from Portnoy tonight. Looks like all 50K came here. Pretty cool. Yes. Yes. All 50K are here. Um, if you see that 16 people are viewing this, you're incorrect. Mine says 50K. I see the real number. You guys only see people in your area or something like that. So um, there are 50K people watching this. So 50K strong. Thank you. I appreciate you being here. Um, the other documentary that I watched was uh, the Joe one. My buddy sent me a link to watch the like farewell to the Joe, and it was broken down by chapters. I recommend watching this one. It's not as good as the Russian Five. It's not as in-depth. It's not as heavily produced. Um, but this is an awesome, awesome documentary that you guys should watch, and it really makes me miss joe lewis arena 
Um, okay, so hold on. I'm going to take a stop here. So Jerry Rubino originally, my fat boy Jerry, had this idea to put his phone number on the Instagram Live to have people send over under suggestions to him. He now is in the comments panicking about that idea, saying the phone number is creepy um, and just telling people to DM him. Um, sure, dipshit, we can, we can change it because you're like getting nervous now because you got one weird phone number. Um, okay, Jerry, if you're still watching this, just type your handle. Do your at Parmesan, whatever your fucking name is, and uh, I can pin it to the, uh, pin it to the chat. So I'm going to wait for Jerry to do that, and then I'm going to start talking again. Come on, Jer. Come on, Jer. Jerry, type, type your handle, and then say, just type it for me. God, Jerry is so useless. Um, people can do whatever they want. Oh, my. Jerry has totally derailed this whole thing here. All right, hold on one second. I'm going to put a comment here. Uh, DM at par... Why do you call yourself Parmesan Rubino? Like, I don't get it. No one gets it. No one calls you that. Uh, hang on, I'm doing this right now. Okay. This is bad podcasting. If anybody's listening to the podcast tomorrow, it's going to be bad. Okay. All right, there you go, Jerry. I got rid of your phone number, even though that was your idea. <sighs> All right, back to, I'll try to edit that on the podcast, but I watched the Joe documentary and boy, oh fucking boy, did I miss Joe Louis Arena. Uh, you know, it was weird. I was one of the main like advocates for saying like it's time to get rid of the Joe like we need else like we need LCA it's going to be this this shrine to the greatest American hockey franchise of all time uh you know and then you kind of get there and you know it's beautiful it's immaculate I think it's going to be awesome I still believe like people who, who like dog it like I'm talking about LCA people who dog LCA it's like yes it's too expensive but as soon as the wings start winning there it's going to be the electric factory and it's going to be awesome again but there's definitely like times walking around there where I feel like an old man. You know, my dad used to say he hated the Joe, he loved the Olympia, and now I'm kind of I kind of feel like I am that guy. And after watching this this Joe Louis Arena documentary, you know, it just makes you miss the the fucking piss filled troughs and that smell of like peanuts and beer and like I don't know. It's just it's just it was just the grittiest atmosphere in sports and and uh, it was just a dirty dirty barn that won a lot of championships and this documentary it's called just it's called the joe it's like produced by the nhl was one of you know what was a very good tribute to my favorite arena of all time um i know everyone else has a lot of good memories there too um i recommend watching it's not as good as russian five but it's pretty fucking awesome um and like they show the hallways and the concourse and they don't show the bathrooms, which is unfortunate. Like, I believe there should have been a good 20 minutes dedicated to just the troughs. Um, but unfortunately, we didn't get that. But this documentary documents the Joe very well. And I feel like you can smell it. I feel like you can smell the documentary um, as you watch it. So that's a good one. Watch Russian 5. Russian 5 is A+. This is the next one on my list. I haven't seen it. Uh, Bob Probert, or Tough Guy, the Bob Probert story. I'm going to watch that one this weekend. Come back with the notes uh, next week. So that's the next one on my list. Other Wings notes. Saw some people put this in the comments. Um, Tori Krug, MSU guy, seems to be the biggest name around the Red Wings right now. 29 years old, contract expiring. Boston's a playoff team. Detroit is not, to say the least. But I would absolutely love this signing. Um, and I, I, I truly believe if Iserman wants him, he's, he's going to go get him. I don't, I don't really see Krug saying no to Steve Iserman of him coming home uh, to Detroit to kind of be the main guy on the blue line back there until, until Sider's ready to go. So I'm all for the Tory Krug signing. Um, and I just feel like with free agents, obviously with Iserman in the booth uh, at the helm, 
how do you tell that guy no? How do you just like tell Steve Eiserman like no? I'm gonna I'm gonna play somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know how Eiserman, Eiserman you could look Steve Eiserman in the eyes and like tell him no to a deal. Um, we're gonna get this guy. If Eiserman wants him, we're gonna get him. If Eiserman doesn't want him, we're not gonna get him. If Eiserman doesn't want him, I don't want him either. If Eiserman wants him, I want him. And Eiserman can do whatever he wants. I I'll agree with it and I love it. If he doesn't sign, Eiserman didn't want him. We get him. Eiserman wanted him. He's going to look him right in the eye. This guy's from Michigan. He knows. He grew up in the state. Grew up idolizing Pavel Datsuk. He knows Eiserman. He knows the wings. He knows the history. He wants to wear a wing wheel. If he wants to be here, if Eiserman wants him, he'll be here. All there is to it. All that needs to be said. If we don't, if we don't have him at puck drop next year, it wasn't meant to be. He's not, he's not meant for the Detroit Red Wings. That's all there is to it. Next. Next on the list. The worst team in professional sports uh, ever, anywhere, the Detroit Lions. The most exciting event in sports um, still happening of the summer, or at least so far, is going to be the NFL draft. This is going to be the most entertaining uh, NFL draft ever. I don't care what anybody says. doesn't matter what players are involved, what picks are taken. This is going to be very hilarious to watch these NFL jocks and executives and these players and just the programming try to navigate uh, Zoom. Watching them do this over Zoom is going to be absolutely hilarious. Picks are going to be incorrect. Uh, Things are going to be delayed. Things are going to go out. There's going to be communication errors. There's going to be security breaches. Apparently, the NFL has gone all in with Zoom to make sure this thing is locked, uh, rock solid, like security-wise. So no one can get in. No one can find out what people are talking. Uh, It's going to be hilarious. Uh, I I can't wait to watch this whole thing. Uh, I can't wait to watch, like, fucking Goodell in his basement as, like, Patricia scratches his balls as he tries to FaceTime Quinn everything's going to be a mess. There's going to be so many communication errors. I'm really looking forward to just the production of the NFL draft this year. Um, In addition to that, we should probably talk about the Detroit Lions and this upcoming NFL draft. The Detroit Lions last year Took a tight end at eight overall, Hawkinson. Uh, there ended up being another tight end from the same school drafted in the first round in the 20s, uh, Noah Fant, who had a better year than Hawkinson. Um, they took the Hawaiian guy in the third round uh, when he probably could have went undrafted and we could have signed him. Um, I hate Matt Patricia. I hate Bob Quinn. I hate, can't stand the Ford ownership. I am finally at that age, and I'm finally to the point of almost complete jadedness of our Detroit Lions. Going to be honest. And if there's one thing I know, if there's one thing I can guarantee about this draft, whatever the Lions do, no matter what they do, they're going to fuck it up. This is what they do. This is their specialty. This is where the fuck-ups begin. It's right here in the draft and they will they will fuck this up now this is our boy that everybody's saying okuda out of uh ohio state now i've read a bunch of shit that a lot some people say he's not even the best guy in but not the best secondary in the draft and the lions seem rock solid at taking him at three and my prediction is is that the Detroit Lions will, there will be, Burrow will be taken first. Someone's going to trade up to get Tua at two, and we're going to have Chase Young sitting there, and we're going to take Okuda. We're going to pass on Chase Young to get Okuda. I'm guaranteeing it right now. Uh, I looked up Okuda. Seems like a really good guy, real strong character guy, probably going to have a real high Wonderlick test. And... That's what they're going to say. They're going to say this guy is a real character guy that fits into what the Lions are looking to do here, and this is our guy. And you know he's going to he's going to have like sickle cell disease by week four. 
um, and end up doing nothing while Chase Young goes on to win like MVP on you know on the defensive side. He'll yeah, Chase Young will be the next like Von Miller, and we'll have Okuda with sickle cell. Um, that will happen. That's 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 one hundred percent what I'm predicting is that um, we're going Okuda. But we're and which I'm you know going Okuda is one thing, but we're going to pass on Chase Young. We'll have a shot at Chase Young, and we won't take him. That's my prediction. That's what I'm saying right here. And uh, something I can guarantee: we're not going to take Tua. We're not going to take Tua at all. That it's not even in our thought process. There is no chance we're going to take him because that would be too fun. That would be too exciting. Um, and there's just there's just nothing uh, there's nothing else to say. Now. I'm seeing, I'm seeing people in here, you know, call me a pessimist. You know, when I post a lot of stuff, I'll put it in Reddit. Everyone like dogs me because they're just like, oh, you're so negative. You're so negative. I just want to know what, uh, what anyone, honestly, like dead serious, what there is to be positive with about the, about the Detroit Lions. Like, what are you excited about? What are you ever excited about? I mean, they, they haven't won. I could guarantee of the 11,000 people in here. Uh, not one of you has seen a playoff win. Um, I, I just I think being a Detroit Lions fan is truly like a deep rooted sickness. It's the definition of insanity. It's just you you keep hoping that something's going to change and it never does. And the Lions don't even give us a reason to believe anything's going to change. Do I wish they'd win? Fuck yeah, I'll be there in the front row, face painted silver. But there's no way you can actually believe that with with Patricia and Quinn, that this is going to be I, – I just I, – I'm very jaded on the Detroit Lions after last season, after going 2-0-1 and then finishing 3 – whatever they were, 3-12-1. Um, just can't. Just can't. Jerry's really pumped about Duran Harmon. Um, so, yeah, I'm just looking, and – I agree with you, Steven. Steven, pack in the comments here. So hard to fuck up this year. They're going to trade down. There always is a run on QBs. Hey, I, I hear you. I just, I think they'll, they'll trade down and, I don't know, they'll take a place kicker or like a long snapper. I just, I just don't have faith in the draft whatsoever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, seeing, uh, I'm seeing people say they want to want me to talk about the 97 wings again, which I wish I could do for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I just have pictures of Chase Young here um, and then Tua. I don't know. I meant to scroll through these. But the one thing I was thinking today was when was the last time the Lions like made a, like a splash in free agency or even uh, a draft pick like outside of like Stafford or Calvin? Like what was – their last, like, holy shit, we got a guy. Like, think of the Arizona Cardinals. They just made a trade for D-Hop. Uh, that's exciting as all hell. Uh, even, like, the Bills trade for Diggs. Like, that's fun. When was the last time the Lions, like, got someone like that? When was the last time they did something, like, just nuts? Like, or signed someone crazy? Who Like, even if it's – even if – it's not a smart signing. When have they got someone like Le'Veon Bell? Like, sure, the Jets still suck, but, like, that was kind of tight that they got Le'Veon Bell. If the Lions are going to finish with three wins every year or four wins every year, uh, I'd rather them just get, like, someone exciting. Ooh, Eric in the comments here. Reggie Bush. Good call. That's a good call. Reggie Bush was exciting. Even though he was past his prime, uh, Reggie Bush was definitely like, okay, I like this a lot. That's Reggie Bush. Um, the coolest thing we got is like Danny Amendola who cares more about, um, his Instagram than like actually winning football games. Uh, so I just like, like Lions off season, like the year that Le'Veon and, uh, Antonio Brown were out there. It was just like, let's just go get them both. Like who cares? Like who cares? Oh, it's not a good signing. It's a bad contract. Like whatever it like if it's going to be a circus if it's going to be a shit show let, let's just make it a, a chaos like who gives a shit if we're going to lose every year like at least give me something to be entertained about Ooh, good call good call steven gold golden tate golden tate was a very exciting signing i'll agree with that golden tate was a fun one um but let's just let's just i'm gonna so here was my made up uh off season that would have been the most 
entertaining thing in the whole world. I will preface this by saying uh, Matthew Stafford is arguably my favorite lion of all time up there with probably like, I don't know, Barry Sanders or Calvin, but I even I just love Matthew Stafford. I'm an absolute Stafford slappy, and I only want the best for him. Like, I just want to root for Matthew Stafford. So I would love to see us trade Stafford to New England and just watch what he does in that system because I think he'd absolutely kill it. Um, I would just love to see him in that system, and I just – just want to see my boy thrive. You know, I just want to see him win and I just want to see him happy and thrive and that family and everything. So just wanted to preface that with saying like, I love Stafford and I, I'm, I'm fully in the camp of just keep him till, you know, his back fully snaps in half. Um, but so Lions offseason, fake fantasy offseason, that would never happen. Lions trade staff to New England. They sign Brady. Yep. <laughs> Brady in Detroit. You trade carry on and some picks to Houston for D-Hop. Duh. Easy. Could have told you that even before they moved him. That's an easy trade. And then you sign Melvin Gordon or Todd Gurley, and then you draft Tua. Tua watches Brady for a few years. You got Melvin and Todd Gurley. Like, who cares? They're, I mean, they're exciting. They're good backs. And then we got D-Hop. So Brady's got D-Hop, you know, Marv, Galladay, the Hawk, Jesse James, who I don't know why we signed at all. Um, I don't know, guys. This this is all I got. But this is like I just want off season fireworks because you don't you don't get them in season in a positive way. So I I would just like some off season fireworks. The other day, Red Zone was showing highlights. I don't know why. Of I forgot what week we played them. Uh, I think it was like week we were three three. It was six seven. So I think it was week seven or eight. Um, and we played Oakland. And it was just – it came down to the final play, and the Lions threw, like, that – I don't know, that that passed uh, the third-string tight end. I, don't, I can't remember the, the tight end's name, but uh, we had Jesse James, we had Hawkinson, and for some reason, like, the pass went to this, like, third-string tight end. Um, Lions just blow my goddamn mind, and I just get so hot and bothered and upset with everything that they do. Um, Okay, so that's, that's what I had on the Lions, um, and that's what I had on the Red Wings. Now we're going to get into, like, the fluff shit, um, just, like, the quarantine stupid stuff. Um, and but w- real quick, back to this draft, though. I, I can't stop thinking about the draft. Uh, I'm very excited to watch this production. I'm, I might even go live when the Lions are making their pick because I can't wait to see how we fuck it up. And it's going to be glorious, and it's going to be great. And I can't wait for whoever we pick. I'm going to drink that goddamn Kool-Aid again, and I'm going to be yelling that the Lions are going to win the fucking NFC North. All right, into fluff shit. Let's let's pick some pizzas. Um, so I think so. This is these are the only things like holding the internet up right now. It's just like you can only have three. You can only pick three. Pick five. Here's a budget. Pick four from each line. You know whatever. Excuse me. Um, but here's pizzas, um, you know. So we're gonna pick we're gonna pick three of these. So I know this is a podcast, and I gotta explain what's on the board. So there's nine pizzas listed up here. Pizzas are Little Caesars, Hungry Howie's, Domino's, Sbarro or Bar the Mall Pizza, the Mall Italian Pizza, Jets, Marco's Pizza, Papa J- Pappy Jan's, uh, Pizza Hut. And then CPK, uh, California Pizza Kitchen. So I can only keep three of these uh, fucking pizzas. And what we're going to do is I'm just going to eliminate some right off the rip, which I think you guys will agree with. Uh, Sparrow, like mall pizza, see ya. Like goodbye. Like no one's ever sitting at home and is like, hey, let's get that. Because I don't even know if you can get that. Like do you, that's only at the mall, right? That's only in food courts. Um, so sabaro has gone number nine, California peach kitchen. I think I've had it once. I, I don't know. Maybe it's good. I don't give a fuck. Goodbye. Uh, that's gone. Um, number eight pizza hut. Great slogan. No one out pizzas the hut. I think that's great. I'm never going to get your pizza unless like I'm, it's a weird situation where it's the only thing and we need pizza. Uh, pizza hut 
gone. So we've eliminated California Pizza Kitchen, Pizza Hut, and Sbarro. What is left is Little Caesars, Hungry Howie's, Domino's, Jets, Marco's, and Papa John's. Um, I'm going to knock off Marco's. I've heard good things about Marco's, but I don't have it enough. I couldn't even tell you what it looks like. Uh, Marco's, gone. Uh, Marco's is off my list. Um, okay, so now we're down to Caesars, Howie's, Jets, Pappy, Prappy Jans, right? Just Prappy Jans? Yeah, that's all we got. Uh, I am going to, mm, I'm going to eliminate, I'm going to eliminate Domino's. I probably will never get Domino's like in my life unless it's the only pizza in the area. We had one across the street from us, from our place in East Lansing, or my buddy did, and we were over there a lot. So we would get Domino's because um, it was just right there. And it's pretty good. I don't hate it, um, but it's definitely never a top choice at all. Domino's, goodbye. Um, this one, you guys should probably already be shaping up to see where we're coming. Caesars, Howie's, Jets, Papa John's. Papa John's gets the ax. Pretty sure the guy's like a racist. We don't we don't do racist pizza here. Even though it's a pretty good job, but like, I don't know. Fuck that guy. He's insane. Um, and the pizza's just not as good as the last three. So Little Caesars, Hungry Howie's, and Jets. You know, and I, I'll probably get a lot of shit um, for Little Caesars. People call it trash. People say you feel like shit after. And yeah, that's all true. But guess what? Best value in America, $5 pizza. And I don't know if you know this, they sponsor, own my favorite team in the whole world, which is the Detroit Red Wings. And part of going to a Red Wings game is to get a fucking super slice and it's absolutely delicious. And if you don't eat hot and sweaties, if you're above a hot and sweaty, if you're too good for a hot and sweaty, if you're like, oh, I haven't had a hot and sweaty in so long, like how did, how did you do that? We're not friends. We don't, we're, we don't associate it. I don't, you're too good for me. Like, I don't like that attitude at all. I think they're delicious. Sure, after I eat it, I have a headache. I, I have a headache. I have depression. I have indigestion, diarrhea, whatever the list on Pepto-Bismol is. I got it. I have night terrors. Um, my nose runs, and I get sad. But that's all part of the adventure of a $5 full pizza and eating all the whole pizza. That's just part of it. Um, Low-key, the Buffalo Ranch from Little Caesars, really good adds to the night terrors just a little bit. Ah, I love it. Little Caesars is on that list. I had Jets tonight, little treat night, Jets, Rocks, and then Howie's. Absolutely love Howie's. Um, love Howie's. Howie's is so good. Um, Howie's, I used to get butter, butter cheese crust. I used to get butter cheese crust. Now, as I'm growing up, I get sesame seed crust. I told my friends the other day I get sesame seed crust and I got dusted. I got made fun of for liking sesame seed crust, but I love sesame seed crust on a Howie's. Jets, Howie's, Caesars, not in any order. That's not in any order. I can't, even, I can't order those because they're all special to me in different ways and they're all vastly different. Those are my pizza choices and those are the correct choices. Those are the correct choices. Okay, that's it. Those are the answers. All right. Now, thank you, Marco, Alex Mark Marco304, good buddy of mine. He likes the sesame seed crust. It does rock. I agree. I yeah. All right, sesame seed crust rocks. Okay, so so now as we're moving along, uh, these rankings that are holding up the internet. This this is the hardest one I've I've seen. This is the hardest one. Uh, I stared at this, couldn't figure it out. Uh, we got to remember I'm hosting a podcast. Some people are going to listen to this. Like six people are going to listen to this. So I want them to know what's going on. You can pick three of these movies um, and then the rest don't exist. Number one, Old School. Two, Anchorman. Three, Talladega Nights. Four, Step Brothers. Five, Starsky and Hutch. Six, Zoolander. Seven, Wedding Crashers. Eight, the forty-year-old virgin, and nine, dodgeball. Fuck, I like absolutely love six of the eight of these movies. Absolutely love them. This one is the hardest ranking of anything I've seen um, of these rankings come through. But let's work through it together. So I'm gonna I'm gonna eliminate them as we go. Okay, I'm gonna go backwards like we did with the pizza. Starts Starsky and Hutch is, is gone for me. I think I've seen it once. It's just, it's not a top for me. Starsky and Hutch is gone. 
We're going to eliminate Starsky and Hutch. <sighs> now it gets instantly hard. Um, I've already seen this come through a few times, but I'm going to say I'm sorry. I'm eliminating Zoolander. I like Zoolander. It's not a top for me. It, it doesn't beat any of the other ones on the board. Now this is where my brain explodes. Old school, Anchorman, Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, Wedding Crashers, 40-Year-Old Virgin, and Dodgeball. Fuck! This is hard as shit. All right. So the next one I'm going to eliminate... Oh, man. Okay, I am going to knock out... All right, this is this is tough. This is this is not easy, and I know my fiance might come crashing through a wall because this is her all-time favorite comedy. But I am getting rid of Step Brothers. I love Step Brothers. I think it's hilarious. The one-liners are unreal. It's it's amazing movie. I love it. I, I don't not like it. But in this succession, I'm getting rid of Step Brothers. Step Brothers is out. Now we're left with old school Anchorman, Talladega Nights. Uh, Wedding Crashers, 40-Year-Old Virgin, and Dodgeball. Fucking A. All right. Next one I'm going to get rid of here is... Mm, mm, oh, my God. All right. I'm going to get rid of... Oh, my... I'm going to get rid of Talladega Nights. I'm going to get rid of Talladega Nights. I love that fucking movie, though. I love it. I think Sasha Baron Cohen is hilarious in it. The whole scene where... He breaks his arm over just saying he likes like thin pancakes, like is absolutely ridiculous. Like the kids at dinner, like, you know, like I said, Washington, D.C., like the whole spider monkey thing. Like I threw cramp of chips, medals off the bridge. Like it's hilarious. The movie is fun. There's a cougar in the car. I fucking love it. Um, but this is just like the hardest list on the Internet for me. Like this is really tough. All right. Now we're left with old school Anchorman. Uh, Wedding Crashers and 40-Year-Old Virgin and Dodgeball. Um, all right. I got to just – I got to rip the Band-Aid off. I'm going Dodgeball. I'm going to I'm gonna get rid of Dodgeball. Uh, saw that one in theaters as a younger guy. Loved that movie. Cram it up your cram hole, LaFleur. Uh, and what's his – Patches O'Houlihan is like an all-time character. Patches O'Houlihan is one of the top characters of all time. Um, I got some hookers back in the room. My tr My treat. Uh, when he drops the hooker line. I believe that guy died last year. Rip Torn is the actor. I believe he passed away. So RIP um, to one of the funniest characters in a movie. Um, you know, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. All the great one-liners. That guy rocks. He's hilarious. That dyke can throw. Um, so dodgeball's out. Old school. Anchorman. Wedding Crashers. 40-year-old virgin. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Uh. All right, so what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna tell you the two that are safe. The two that are safe, safe, old school and wedding crashers. Those two are like absolute tops for me. Uh, thank God Superbad isn't on this list, but old school and wedding crashers are just like absolutely up there. I love wedding crashers all my heart and old school is like one of the funniest movies in the world. So. If I had to get rid of Anchorman or 40-Year-Old Virgin, man, I love 40-Year-Old Virgin. Like, that's Steve Carell's come-out party. Like, him being in 40-Year-Old Virgin was, like, the boost the office needed to get all the viewership. And then it just exploded from there because he was so good in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Like, that movie is so funny, and it has so many one-liners in it. Um, and there's people in it, like, like Jonah Hill has a cameo in that movie. Um Oh my God, that movie rocks. I'm going to get rid of it though. I'm gonna get rid of 40-year-old virgin. So the winner is Old School, Wedding Crashers, and Anchorman. Um, I have a feeling Anchorman probably won't be on a lot of people's, but I that movie just fucking milk was a bad choice. That is hilarious. That's That's got Steve Carell in it. Um, and then fucking um, Paul Rudd as Brian Fantana. Uh, Veronica Corningstone. Okay, that was tough. That hurt, that stung. Um, old School, Wedding Crashers. Anchorman. Ron Burgundy is just an all-time character, and I couldn't leave him off my list. Um, really hurt my soul on the other ones that were out. Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, and um, 
dodgeball. Um, I have a feeling I'm going to hit my hour limit here. Um, I was going to do a song of the week. So my song of the week this week is Physical by Dua Lipa. I love this song. This is my song right now. This is the song of the week. You should listen to it. It sounds like it's from the 80s. Um, and it just rocks. All right, so that's the song of the week. Let's move into Over Under. I might hit my hour time limit here soon. Um, so if I do, I apologize. Obviously, you can listen to the rest of this on, um, on the podcast. Um, fun fact, here's a picture of Jerry. Um, in a sweater that I gave him. Um, I believe he's in Africa. I don't know what he's doing, but this is Jerry in Africa with one of a sweater, a sweater on that I gave him. Um, so Jerry, I hope you were able to send me um, an over under here. Let's see what we got. Let's see if Jerry was able to send something. Hope so. Hope so. Everyone's gonna be real disappointed, Jerry. All right, let's get to the email. What do we got, Jerry? Jerry, I have no email. I have no email here. There's no over under list. Are you sending one? As we wait for Jerry to answer or send me something, um, I will agree with you, Marco. Don't don't sleep on Vince Vaughn and Anchorman is so true. Fuck, I forgot. Dorothy Mantooth. Dorothy Mantooth was a saint. Oh, Jerry just sent the over-unders. Nice job. Um, hell yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Don't sleep on Vince Vaughn. And, yes, I also see another one that says, I'm Ron Burgundy. Like, put a question mark on the teleprompter. Can't do it. Go fuck yourself. Um, okay. I love that movie. All right, here we go. Over, under. I think we're going to hit the time limit here soon. If we run out, I apologize. You know, go listen to the end of the podcast. But you guys are great. All nine of you, still 9,000 of you still sticking around. Over, under begins here. If you don't know what over, under is, you'll figure it out pretty quick. Number one on the list from fat ass, fat boy, the, the FBJ, fat boy Jerry. Uh, LGRW, these are from the people. Number one, reading books. Reading books is probably underrated, okay? I don't read books. I always tell myself I should read books. I'd probably enjoy them. Like, I like reading things. I just don't read books. Um, I do shit like post on Instagram and then record podcasts in my free time. I don't, or I watch TV or like smoke pot or, or drink or something. I don't read books. My sister reads fucking six books a week. My fiance reads, you know, a book a month. Like I don't read. It's probably very, very underrated. You can teach yourself to do anything reading books. I just watched Matilda the other day. That bitch was doing shit with her mind because she could read books. I should probably start reading books. I'm saying it's underrated. Reading's not for nerds. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not taking that route. Reading's underrated. Number two, Darren McCarty. What the fuck? Darren McCarty's underrated. Are you kidding me? Red Wings legend, like, partier, was in a rock band, scored the game-winning goal in 97. Whoever suggested that for an over-under, what are you doing? Are you just looking for me to talk about Darren McCarty? Darren McCarty's very, very underrated. That guy's a rock star. He's a legend. Um, he's the funniest guy in Russian 5, and I just want to pound beers with the guy. Um, <laughs> Miss Honey can get it, Marco. Miss Honey can get it. Back to Matilda. Um, Jerry or any friend out there, if this cuts out, will you text me? Because it just keeps recording on my end. Um, great. Number three, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Memorial Day weekend's underrated. Got to remember the troops. Remember what they did for us. Fight for the country. They fight so we can do shit like this, right? That's why we love America. Got to have those days. And you get a day off. You get a day off. Memorial Day. Underrated. It rocks. It's going to be, it's awesome. What do you mean? Gotta love your country. Number four, the Lions picking at five. Um, you know, I mean, they're picking at three, so are you saying trading back to five? If the Lions trade back to five and get uh, Okuda, I'm fine with it. As long as Chase Young is not sitting there and we pass on him to get Okuda, I'm cool. But if we pass on... Chase Young and pick Okuda, we're incorrect. So the Lions picking at five, I'm going to say is underrated because that would mean they got extra picks plus Okuda, I would hope. If, he, if Okuda's there at five, all for it. Number five, 
Second day undies. Second day undies are very overrated. They're I am I I don't like wearing even one pair of undies all day. Uh, I you know just a lot a lot of shit mucks up in there. It gets a little weird. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. So second day undies overrated. It's fucking gross. Like my washer broke and I was doing second day undies and I was miserable. I hated it. I felt gross. Didn't enjoy it. Number six, Captain Morgan. <laughs> Captain Morgan was like my freshman year drink at state. That's like all we drank was Captain Morgan until we got into whiskey. Um, but I like it. I mean, I don't think it's terrible. I never ordered it. I would never get it, but I don't think it's like overrated. I think it like does its job and it's just fine. It's like probably the best rum you could have. So I will say, I'm going to say underrated. I'm going to say Captain Morgan's underrated. I have two minutes remaining. Got to go quick here. They're giving me a countdown. Number seven, Detroit style pizza. Detroit style pizza is very underrated. Buddy's is one of my favorite pizzas in the world. The fact that we can say Detroit style pizza is something we should be very, very proud of. Chicago style pizza is very good, but like fuck New York style, fuck Chicago style, even though I love them both. It's fun that we can say Detroit style pizza and we should own that and we should lean into that more. Detroit style pizza rocks and it's real. Number eight, Changing the LCA seat covers from red to black. This was the most overrated and idiotic, embarrassing decision that the new Red Wings regime has made. And that that's saying a lot because we re-signed like Cronwall and Howard and shit. The LCA seat change was embarrassing. It was it was idiotic, and it's just it's so not Detroit Red Wings and so embarrassing that I thought it was the dumbest thing they could have ever done, and I hate it. I wish the seats were red because they're going to be filled one day, and it's not like when you watch on TV, the black seats don't look empty. They just look like empty black seats as opposed to empty red seats. We have a minute left. We have 50 seconds left. Number eight. Apparently, we only got eight this time. Jerry couldn't put together 10 for me. Um, that was it. That was actually it. That was the last one. So let's do a quick recap, and then we got 40 seconds. Reading books, underrated. Darren McCarty, underrated. Memorial Day weekend, underrated. Lions picking at five, underrated. Second day undies, overrated. Yuck. Uh, Captain Morgan, underrated. Detroit style pizza, underrated. Lean into that. Be proud of it. Number eight, changing the LCA seat covers from red to black. That is overrated. This was the Fizz episode 42 live on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for joining me. You're all, you're all my best friends. That's all there is to it. Uh, don't forget to rate the podcast on iTunes and Spotify if you have time. If not, just have a good week and stay safe out there, everybody. See ya. Who needs to go to sleep when I got you next to me? to me.